Blog Talk Radio. Granny Hawkster and Big Swing. Hello, everybody. It is Monday night again, and can you guys believe it's already February 10th? I mean, it seems like it was just New Year's last week, and uh, and here we are already into the second month of 2020. Um, we've got uh, we got a big you know another big show again as usual. Um, and, uh, and I kind of, I, wa- I wanted to lay out a question for you guys, uh, before our guest comes on, Granny Hoekster just now is joining us as well. I know she was a little late, but, uh, she, she's, she's good to go here. Um, I wanted to lay out a little question for you guys as well before the guests come on. And, uh, you know, usually I have a long winded intro, but I wanted to get to this cause I had a debate about this the other day. Uh, and Granny, feel free to chime into this as well. Um, the, the conversation came up over a few drinks at a bar the other day. Who was the more influential um, and, uh, yeah, I would say influential and, I guess, game-changing and flat-out better um, stable throughout what was known as the Attitude Era or the Monday Night Wars? Uh, who, who did more for wrestling and who shaped the face of wrestling as we know it? Was it NWO? Or was it DX? And, you know, obviously that draws the lines of, well, were you a WWF guy or girl? Or were you a WCW guy or girl? Obviously, you know, they they, they draw the lines there. But, well, I mean, what do you guys think? NWO or DX? Wow, well, that's a NWO, tough one. Yeah, NWO, though, is uh, really what I'm – because, you know, DX came after NWO, so – uh, NWO is what put everything in motion where the the bad guy heel became cool, and uh, you know that's uh, that you know that's where I put it at. Uh, the NWO, I I mean I love DX, but the NWO is uh, was what 
started it off, if you ask me. Well, I know that they were. I know that they were around first, but when you look at you know wrestling as a whole, and you look at stable and group wrestling as a whole, and you look at you know who put people over more, or who you know who who shaped the face of what late nineties wrestling would become more NWO or DX and in a way a lot of people say that DX was the WWE version of NWO because NWO was so highly successful and uh, WCW was kicking their ass in the ratings for a long time uh, they thought All right, hey we need something we need something like this but obviously it can't be a blatant rip off of this um, but I mean honestly when you look at the original NWO and you look at you know, the guys like Hulk Hogan, you look at the Scott Hall, the Kevin Nash, uh, but, then, but then you look at Shawn Michaels, Triple H, um, you, you know, uh, uh, eventually it would be Road Dogg and, and Billy Gunn. You think of, well, who were bigger names? I mean, obviously Hulk Hogan was monstrous. Um, you know, Scott Hall was, was you know, pretty big, but and, and obviously Kevin Nash was big, and people a lot of people still knew him as Diesel. Uh, so, I mean, I I don't know. I mean... I really think it comes down to what shaped you as a wrestling fan. Were you a WCW person or were you, were you a WWF person? I mean, um, you know, NWO had the whole takeover angle, you know, where they, they, were, they were taking over WCW and they were basically management. Um, DX didn't really do that. Um, but DX was, you know, DX was more comedy or NWO was more drama. Uh, but, I, I mean, really, it, it was a question that somebody posed to me the other day after listening to our show and um, wanted, me, wanted me to ask it on the air, and, and so I did. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those perplexing questions, really, of, of which one really was, was – uh, let me phrase it this way. Which one was better for wrestling as a whole? Which group do you think was better for wrestling? Well, I well, think that was more. Oh, go ahead, Icon. Go ahead, no, go no ahead. I was just you saying. Ahead, I was just. I was just gonna say. I think a lot of it too is more of a personal opinion because not everybody liked WCW. Not everybody liked WWF, and I think it just, you know, the when it comes to a fan's point of view. Who did they, you know, who, it's like more of an individual opinion, like, you know, because like, you know, you, you may not like, you may have not, you know, like WCW, you might have been more of a WWF guy, but Icon, he might have been, you know, just the opposite. So I think it's just more of a personal, you know, like, who did I like, you know, or, you know, and. I mean, I, I, and I I remember the NWO and I remember DX and you know as far but as far as like the wrestling part you know yeah like you said DX had a lot of comedy going on you know I remember Shawn Michaels and Triple H in the big army tank you know I mean you know I mean you know and X Pac was part of the DX you know and I mean so I think it's more of just a personal personal preference I guess you know who. Like, okay, you know, I mean, yeah, I like Kevin Nash, you know, I mean, I, Scott Hall, he was, you know, he was all right, you know, Hulk Hogan, I mean, you know, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, you know, I mean, it was, I think it's more of a personal preference, you know. 
Well, you know, it's here's, here's the other thing, though. I remember, I remember the Raw magazine cover. As a matter of fact, uh, I was going through all my old wrestling magazines because I, you know, I used to subscribe to all that stuff. I always liked the WWE magazine, the Raw, and the SmackDown. I never really got into like, uh, you know, the other wrestling magazines like Pro Wrestling Illustrated and all that stuff. Even though uh, I probably should have, uh, I never did. But there's a cover of. Uh, uh, Shawn Michaels, not wearing any clothes uh, in the picture, really, but he's just covered with the belt, and China and uh, Chuck Lacer are holding the belt, and they're covering Shawn Michaels' private areas, uh, and uh, his heartbreak kit, so to speak. Uh, and uh, there there was a thing, a little uh, article tease on the side, that says, is the ex-Vince McMahon's answer to the NWO, and then right below it said, comparing DX to NWO is like comparing, uh, um, comparing filet mignon to horse meat. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, it's like, okay, and basically what that's saying is the, N, uh, the DX is young and, you know, DX or DX is young and NWO is old. And I also want to apologize to people if I sound a little uh, if I sound a little different. Uh, last week I, I'm still trying to cover. I had nine teeth pulled out of my head, so uh, I'm still trying to adjust to speak uh, with with miss with missing teeth. So I may I may take talk with a lisp every now and then, or I might stammer a little bit. But that is why, because okay. So and it kind of sucks, but. Once oh, I, I bet. Here, I'll be. I'll be good to go. Yeah, I bet it's not fun. <laughs> no, it's. it's well, not. I know uh, when I had. I know, well, let me tell you guys. When I had all my teeth pulled, I had all my teeth pulled at one time. They actually had to put me to sleep. I had all my teeth pulled at one time. I could not wear my temporary dentures for nine months because of my blood clot history problems. My mouth, they wanted my mouth to totally heal. So Granny went without teeth for like nine months before I could even get temporary dentures put back in my mouth. So I wow. feel for you, Icon. I know. I mean, I've been there, done this. You know? And I want to apologize to the fans, guys. I know, you know, I wasn't that late calling in, you know, and everything, but... Granny's getting ready for state convention next week. Um, I've got about one more day here at my son's apartment, and then I'm going to be going back to my house. And then next Wednesday I leave for five days for Little Rock for the state convention, and I had to do a conference call with our women's official visitor to kind of go over some last-minute stuff for the conference next week. So I apologize to you guys and to the fans, you know, and, Granny's been on, you know, double duty as as we like to say the big swing does. I've been doing double duty <laughs> for quite some time. <laughs> I actually have not uh not had uh double duty in, in quite some time. Um but uh but yeah, um speaking of double duty and speaking of uh, of football, which obviously as you guys know, the Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions, but we need we need some we need some football uh, in our lives, and the XWF kicked off this weekend. Uh, did you guys get a chance to watch any of those XFL. games? XFL. Well, what did I say? XWF? 
XFL. I don't know. I'm reading I'm reading something else off a screen here and I was reading different letters. XFL kicked off this week. What'd you guys think of that? Oh well, I, saw I gotta bits tell you pieces of it. Go ahead, Jeremy. No, I, I just said I saw bits and pieces shortly. of it. I I saw bits and pieces of it. I didn't watch the whole entire game, but you know, I saw bits and pieces of it. So, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of low friend. scoring games. Yeah, the, the Icons got a friend playing in the XFL. Oh, you do? Who's that? Nick DeLuca, former NDSU Bison uh, tight end or linebacker, uh. linebacker. And uh, he is playing for the um, – he plays for the uh, – what is it? The New York Guardians. And uh, Oh, that's my team. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Nick DeLuca is playing for him, and he, hopefully we can get him on the show. Uh, you know, he's got a few FCS championship rings on his hand, so hopefully uh, he can add a few more. So – Okay, okay. You know, so how did he do in his first game then? Yeah, well, he was inactive because uh, he was uh, he got a little banged up during practice. But okay. uh, he should be ready to go next week. Nice. All right, well, I'll definitely be on the uh, – um, I will um, be on the lookout for him then because obviously I'm going to be watching and or covering some of the uh, – New York Defenders games here, so or the Guardians rather games here. Defenders, I was thinking of that. That was that was our old that was our old arena team. Some of the New York Guardians um, games here. So yeah, I, I'm excited for it, guys. I think I think it's going to be good stuff. You said it's eight one eight. Yep, should be. Yep. Yep. Well, a quick uh, quick start. Then they literally just jumped on the line. It is an eight one eight number. So Icon, unless you have anything else to. Uh, to bring to the table here, we can uh, we can put the first call on. Bring him on. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, about to enter the ring right now, the AWA from the beginning historian. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk a lot of AWA. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Tom Hankins. Hey, this is Tom Hankins, a.k.a. Mad Dog Steel Grimm, a.k.a. Crazy Charlie Reed, a.k.a. Mr. Z. And you're listening to the Attitude Era Live with your hosts, the Icon, the Big Swing, and last but certainly not least, Granny Hulkster. Oh, she really hulksters well, Granny. Hey, Tom. How are you? I'm sorry. What was that, Tom? You so say you really hulksters Granny? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just a fan, and that was just a nickname that somebody gave me about 25 years ago because I'm a big, huge wrestling fan. All right. And I was a big, huge fan of yours as well. But every one of our listeners is like your grandkids. Yeah. So, uh, like to what? Yeah, we have uh, Tom uh, Hankins with us. we got about 30 minutes with Tom, and we're going to talk everything uh, uh, AWA. So if you want to give a little background, though, uh, about yourself, then we can uh, uh, ask you some questions about that. Well, I started following wrestling when I was 10 years old in 1958. 
got into the business through Harley Race, helping me and Gus Karras out of Kansas City. It started in 1973 for the cheap motherfucker, Nick Goulas. And, uh, and he fired me. You know, ended up working all over the country, different territories. Until I retired in 86, I got suspended in California for breaking a guy's ankle on purpose in a shoot. But that's my story, basically. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, with, with that being said, I don't think uh, none of us are going to want to get in the ring with you right now, but uh, we'll ask you some questions about that. So uh, let's kind of let's kind of circle back, so we'll kind of go around the room. Now, you uh, mentioned uh, you, you got into business with uh, Harley Race. How did you... Uh, how did you meet Harley Race, and how did that friendship uh, start? Well, I was living in Cedar Rapids, Iowa at the time, 1969, I believe. And he came in the territory then, and I just went up and t- I actually talked to the promoter, Frosty Miller, quite a bit. And then I just saw Harley come in, I started talking to him. And uh, he was actually nice and talked back to me. And, answered my questions, and then pretty soon, every time he came up to Cedar Rapids or Waterloo, I'd uh, seek him out, and we'd uh, go to dinner or whatever. He was the only guy I knew that could eat a big dinner before the match, go out and work for an hour. Everybody else waited until they were done, but he could eat ahead of time. And he laid out plans for me, how he planned to get the world title, work St. Louis and Japan, and by God, he did it. Uh, Larry Hanson is our guest here. We got uh, uh, or Tom Hanson, sorry, Tom Hanson is our guest here. We got 28 minutes of the top. So now, when you uh, when you started uh, training with uh, Harley Race, uh, did they uh, was it one of those things like, okay, kid, we're gonna put you in the ring and uh, we're gonna do this, this, and that, and they push you to the the ringer, or did they uh, did they kind of smart you up first and then push you up? Well, Harley never got in the ring with us. Me and my partner was Dan Daniels. He just died a couple of years ago. And uh, he never got in the ring with us, but he smartened us up. He could tell we were already smart to the business, so he didn't hold anything back. And he smartened us up, showed us how to shake hands properly, and said, don't shake hands any harder than you plan on punching them. And I thought, well, so I always, I still shake hands that way, I guess. But he just uh, helped me, and then... He introduced me to Gus Karras, who was a, owned the Central States Territory, and he started coming up to Iowa for all the cards. And Gus uh, he encouraged me. He said, well, you guys are going to have to cut your hair because we had real long hair. It was 1970. And he said, you're going to have to cut your hair. The boys will resent you when you start. He said, so be remind me of the Funk Brothers and your ambition to get into the business. I said, well, we're not going to stop till we get in. And Dan and I were in the ring one afternoon. They were having wrestling in Cedar Rapids, and it was a boxing ring. There was no padding in it, but they wrestled in it anyway. We were in there working out, and the local city promoter at the time was Larry Lewis, and he went down the dressing room, got Gus, and here comes Gus down the aisle, this empty auditorium with Roger Kirby, Danny Little Bear, Pat O'Connor, Harley, Omar Atlas, I can't even remember who all was there. They all sat down at ringside, and I thought, uh-oh, well, now what? They said, let's see what you got, boys. So we started working, and worked about five, six minutes. He said, all right, stop. Karras didn't. I thought, uh-oh, fucked up something. He said, okay, you're ready. 
He says, I, I talked to Nick Goulas. You can go down to Tennessee and work down there. So uh, he did. He told Goulas we'd been wrestling for him and working for him. So we headed off in uh, early 73. I think it was March of 73. I was living in Minneapolis at the time. So I went up there and tried to get Vern Gagne to train me. But he wouldn't even talk to me because I didn't have an amateur background. I wasn't very big. And Wally Carbo kept saying, go to Mexico, go to Mexico. I said, I don't want to go to Mexico. I said, put me on TV and squash me. I said, let Murdoch and Rose beat me up. I said, I don't care. Just give me a shot. He wouldn't do it. But uh, one weekend I went down to see her happened. We were working out in the ring, and that's when Gus Karras saw us and said, you're ready. So I got a hold of Goulas. That's and uh, had my first mass in Johnson City, Tennessee, in March of 73. And it was a good tag match. It was against Jack, Dandy Jack Donovan, who was a big name at the time. And his partner was Tom Shaft. It turned out it was Tom's first match, too, and he, never, he lied to Goulas, too. So Jack okay. Donovan was in the ring with three of us that never worked a match before. But we got through it and got a lot of heat. But Goulas wasn't uh, happy. Yeah, I bet not. So, uh, Tom Hanks is our guest here. We got uh, we got about 24 minutes here with Tom. Uh, uh, we're gonna go around the room and we'll come back to you and ask you some uh, a little more tougher questions. But uh, Granny, what did you have for our guest here, Tom? Uh, well, I, I when I was listening to this conversation, he mentioned uh, other than Harley Race. He mentioned some very familiar names that I am familiar with because, you know, Granny, I, I'm originally from Kansas, and I oh. was not very far from the Kansas City area. I right. remember Danny Little Bear. I remember Pat O'Connor. Of course, I remember Harley Race. I mean, I'm friends with his, I'm very good friends with his son, Leland, and uh, Leland's wife, Stacey O'Brien, and, you know, it's very sad we yeah. lost Harley here several months ago, so... I'm I'm very familiar with a lot of those names that you mentioned. Yeah, they were all Central States regulars, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you when you when you wrestled, I mean, what was your most toughest match that you had in your career? Well, that's easy. That was against uh, Danny Hodge in St. Louis. I know he got Danny me down, Hodge tied too. me, tied me up, and I said, I said to him, I said, "How am I supposed to get out of this?" He said, "You're not until I let you," and he was right. <laughs> and and Jack Briscoe is probably equally as great. Oh yeah. And uh, he was so fast; it was unbelievable. He was the fastest guy I ever wrestled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrestled Mill Moscaris a bunch of times in Mexico, and he was real easy to work with, and mm-hmm. it slow him down. But uh, yeah, I'd say the best, the toughest, fastest were Danny Hodge and Jack Briscoe, without question. Wow. Now I know I have a very good friend who used to be an announcer for the AWA. Um, do you know? Hey, did you ever meet Ken Resnick? Uh, I know who he is. I don't think I ever met him. Yeah. That I can he's remember. Yeah, he's a very, he's a very good friend of mine. I know he used to be, you know, an announcer for AWA back oh, in the yeah. day. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think I've met him in any conventions or anything since then. I met some other old WA announcers, Larry Nelson, mm-hmm. and but uh, I don't remember meeting Ken. Um, well, that's what I've got, Icon. All right. Uh, we have uh, we have uh, Tom Hankins is our guest here, and uh, we have uh, 21 minutes. Uh, let's go on over to Big Swing. Uh, he's a little younger uh, wrestling fan, uh, Tom, so uh, we'll uh, see what he has for you. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I only remember, you know, I, I mean, obviously I know the names, but I only remember guys like Harley Race from, you know, the WWE Legends video games and things like that. Uh, but I, I guess more well, you so... you missed all the good shit then. Yeah, basically, yeah. I, I mean, I was... I was born in 1988, so, I mean, I grew up really in the heart of the Attitude Era for a lot of that. So, you know, like, like, like the names like the Stone Colds and the Undertakers and Shawn Michaels, I know those names. But, um, I, I mean, I know the other names, but like I said, I never got to experience them firsthand. I'm really on the tail end, the very tail end of Rick Flair. But anyway, uh-huh. so, um, so you mentioned 1958 when you got your start, around 10 years old, you started doing stuff. Yeah. Um, what? What got you into at, at such a young age? What prompted you to get into something like wrestling? I mean, a lot of people well, uh, one, to wasn't do as popular back then, but two, they don't usually start that young. So what? Uh, yeah, I turned what on the TV one that? night. I'd never seen wrestling in my life, and it was Hans Schmidt wrestling Farmer Don Marlin in Chicago, and I became a media fan of the Hans Schmidt and the heels, and hooked on wrestling from right from that point on. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, and what um, like what at that age? I mean, what kind of what 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 clicked with you? What made you want to start doing it at such a young age? Again, it wasn't as popular back well, then. So I, guess, it, like, I guess I liked the violence of it. Even though my father first thing he said, "Oh, it's all fake," and I said, "Oh, I don't care. I I like it." And uh, <laughs> So I never believed that it was real, but I didn't understand how things really worked until later, like even up to the point where Harley explained things to me, some things. But I knew the guys bladed. I could I could see them under the ring cutting their heads. And uh, you could tell which wrestlers were afraid to cut themselves open, like Ronnie Essis and the Viking. They could barely make a nick, but other guys like Harley could go ear to ear. He didn't care. Nice. And uh, then I started a re- started a pro wrestling fan club in 1960. And I don't know if you know Norm Keatser. He used to publish the wrestling review in the ring, wrestling. He became vice president of the fan club. And we had a couple hundred members from all over the world. And I started creating results and stuff. And then I'd see patterns of uh, matches in the territories and the city from, like, the same matches every night throughout the circuit and that kind of that kind of smartened me up too but all these people i wrote to and talked to they were all smart and they smartened me up okay and i just uh became a fan then well actually what made me really decide to become a wrestler was in 1969 i was in chicago on vacation and I saw I was wrestling at the International Amphitheater and the Chain Gang, Don Fargo and Larry Mack, or Jack and Jim or Jack and Frank Dillinger, they went by. And they wore Hell's Angels, full Hell's Angels colors to the ring. 
and they had a bunch of Hells Angels accompany him to the ring. And I just happened to be high on LSD at the time, and uh, by summer, somehow that happened. And uh, I just loved it. It was like a gory match, and I thought, this is what I'm going to do. And after that, I devoted myself to, to working out and learning the holes and uh, until I was like four years later, and I finally got in. Okay, okay. And, and do you consider yourself more of like a just just a flat out brawler, or are you more of a technical wrestler, or high fly? I mean, what what's really what's your style? Well, for, I'd say the first part of my career, I was a brawler, mainly a brawler. Uh, although I did do some amateur wrestling in uh, high school. They told me to cut my hair or get off the team, so I quit. Oh, jeez. So I started out as a heel, anyway, as an amateur. And I, I actually would cheat sometimes then, too, and they'd always yell at me. So I knew I was born to be a heel, so. Oh, Granny, you'd love I, that. Yeah, I did. I was proud to get kicked off the team for cheating, yeah. Well, well I, Granny uh, loves to give the heels a lot of smack. I mean, I go to a lot of independent shows, and I can talk some pretty good smack to the heels when I have to. <laughs> um, yeah, I was a heel. Uh-uh. Then I met Dr. Jerry Graham, and he taught me how to shoot. And uh, now I can shoot. In fact, that last match I had, I was, the guy tried to shoot on me, and I kept telling him, I said, you better lighten up and learn to work. And he kept squeezing, so I thought it was Ed Strangler Lewis or something, trying to squeeze my brains out. Oh, my. So it was a ta- I said, I'm warning you one more time, loosen up. And he didn't loosen up. I said, you motherfucker. And I picked him up and slammed him down on his head, drug him over the ring, put his leg over the side of the ring, and told my manager it was Harry Hell, but you don't want to hear about him. He was like the worst ever. And... uh and my, it was a tag team match, and I told, my, I told Harry, I said, hold his leg. And I told my partner, who weighed about 300 pounds, I said, jump on his that leg, jump on it. So he did, and we broke his ankle. That was magic. Oh, we did it, too. He was a star. Of, I think it was a wrestler or something like that. The old one. Or, I forget what it was called. But I watched it a few weeks ago, and, boy, it's it sunk. But... uh I did have some good scenes with Dick Murdoch and Dick Byer in it, but and John Tolos. But yeah, he was uh, the star of that movie. We broke his ankle like, and it was a week before the premiere of the movie, I guess. But some reason he never, I guess he didn't learn know how to wrestle. And so, then I got a letter from the California State Athletic Commission about a week later saying I was suspended for a year. Oh, geez. And I just retired after that. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom Hankins is our guest here. we got 15 minutes here with Tom. Now, uh, and I do appreciate, uh, Tom, uh, uh, as as you know, this is completely off the cuff. None of this is scripted. None of this is uh, this is your this is your real feeling. And I'll understand if you don't want to if you don't want to circle back to this. But I got to ask you this because uh, as a broadcast journalist, I got to ask this. And uh, I do appreciate you bringing the term "mofo" to our show, but we'll we'll use that term right now. But now you mentioned in the beginning when you started, uh, there was a guy who was a real cheap mofo. Could you tell us what made him the chief mofo that he was? I don't know. He was just, uh, 
I like the fact that he cheated, I guess. But not, not long after that, I saw Dick the Bruiser on TV, and he became my favorite wrestler for years. So I always, always and the Sheik, saw him, Dick the Bruiser, and two TV studio match, and Sheik went over and they had a car on this, I guess, on there for a, did a commercial, new car. Sheik went over and ripped out the seat with his teeth, ripped the seat lining out, and I said, now this is entertainment. This is true sports. This, this is for me. And uh, and one time in Iowa, we were getting wrestling from Kansas City, Chicago, Indianapolis, Buffalo. And so it was like every day almost there was wrestling on TV, and I watched it all. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Vern Gagne, and, you know, you tried out Minneapolis. Uh, being yeah. North Dakota, that would uh, technically be my territory. Uh, did you ever get to wrestle for Vern or against Vern or with Vern? Uh, no, I never did. Never got to work for Vern at all. And, uh, uh, you know, being... You know, being in the you know business back then is obviously much different than it is now. And uh, what I, I remember when we talked before, uh, you know, you don't really watch the current products because it's, it's just not what it should be. And we're we're in agreement with that. That's why we we love to have you on here. But what um, back in the day when you were wrestling, I don't even know if you like that term back in the day, but no, when fine. you were wrestling back when you were wrestling back then. Uh, do you know of any place where uh, someone could see any of your old matches, or have you like seen yourself on like YouTube or anything like that? Uh, yeah, there's some stuff on YouTube towards the end of my career for California Championship Wrestling, but I don't recommend looking at it. It's horrible. It's got, but it's actually funny because I had already decided I was ready to quit, but I think that was '83, and I didn't even put anything into the matches really I just showed up to get paid and they didn't even pay me but uh and I re- kind of quit and then I went to Houston to a wrestling fans convention in 81 August of 81 and ran into Eddie Mansfield if you remember that asshole but anyway mm-hmm. and I talked to Lou says Nick Bockwinkle there and uh, Paul Bosch now I told them I used to be a wrestler, and they all convinced me to get back into it. So I did, and went up to Bakersfield to see the wrestling and saw Doc, met Dr. Jerry Graham, and that's a whole book in itself right there. But And he taught me to shoot, and I, within a few months, uh, I'd talked to Mike LaBelle's booker, Tom Renesto, into booking us, and he started us out in the main events, and by then the territory was practically dead. And then he fired us because he found out we were working opposition on Saturdays for Anton Leon up in Bakersfield. And he was paying me in one night what I made in all week for LaBelle. <laughs> uh, Tom Hankins is our guest here. Uh, we got about 10 minutes here left with Tom. So, now with uh, being a. Um, you are, are definitely a legend uh, to us. Uh, and being in the business back then. Uh, when you were in it, uh, it's obviously a lot different than it is today. It's, it's more of a, it's more of a, 
uh, basically a, uh, a circus now compared to back then. But well, it uh, is. But I see new promotions coming up that are. It's kind of reverting back to that slowly, I think. Another 20 years, I think, will be completely different. I see MLW and NWA, and I I like AEW back then. Jim Cornette just hates it, but I like listening to him rant about it, and I enjoy it. And uh, one of my favorites, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Have you ever met Jim Cornette? Pardon? Have you ever met Jim Cornette? Uh, yeah, I met him at the first Crockett Cup they had in New Orleans. Uh, I think that's the only time I really met him. But yeah. He was a nice guy. You know, uh, I, I probably shouldn't do that. I'm going to do this real quick. You know, I got a great uh, Jim Cornette impression. And uh, it's something like this. He's like, gosh darn it, man. You're a heel. You're coming out of a box. Mother, you know. That's basically Jim Cornette. We got that. Now, uh, with your experience in the business, um, do you um, you you plan on uh, if you ever want to write a book or uh, do uh, a documentary about your experiences? Uh, no, actually, I'm, I'm a musician too, and I'm playing in a band with this 15-year-old guitar wizard named Kyle Taylor. You're going to hear about him soon, believe me. And uh, he's unbelievable. And I just happened to see him and run into him. And I said, you want to play in our band? I fired the other guitar player and hired him. So I'm playing with him at least once a week. Uh, Well, let me ask you this. You think you can hook us up with your guitar player? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, he's only 15 Uh, years old, but yeah, I definitely could. Yeah, I, I, I do have your number, so what I'll do is uh, uh, sometime this week I'll give you a call and uh, we can work out the details. I'd like to have them on the show. Maybe you can compose a, uh, like a new theme song for us or something. Ah, yeah, he can do it. Every week we rehearse and he's got more music. He keeps writing. I can't keep up with him writing the lyrics. He just keeps writing more music. That's all. We're going to hey, record it here in a couple weeks. So. What kind of blues music do you guys play? Uh, well, we started out playing blues, but it's only three-piece. I play bass and do the vocals. And, but uh, I think we're heading more towards Led Zeppelin style. Because he's such a great guitar player that, uh, I mean, he could stand up to anybody. <laughs> Even though he doesn't think so, but he could. <laughs> And uh, uh, real quick here, uh, we got uh, we got about five minutes here left with you. Um, is there uh, anything that you can tell uh, anybody um, uh, um, anybody that's thinking about getting into into the business right now? What advice would you give them as a legend? Well, the only advice I could give them is don't sign with WWE. And uh, there's a lot of Legitimate good wrestling schools out there, and it definitely would, if they had those back when I was started, it would have been a lot easier. But uh, I learned as I went along. But uh, yeah, I'd say you got to find a decent school, wrestling school, 
and that's the only way you can get in. Be ready to get beat up and tied up and put through the paces, because they'll do it to you. At least they should if they're a decent school. That is that is awesome. Well, uh, you know, and I don't know if uh, you're able to do this or not, but uh, you know, you mentioned you know you got a band and you're probably going to put a CD out and stuff like that. You know, I put out a comedy CD a couple years ago at Winter Aluminum. You're probably going to go gold or platinum, but if I if I would do, uh, send you a, a, an address, you think maybe you can uh, send us some autographs for giveaways for our listeners? Uh, yeah, certainly. In fact, awesome. I'll send you a copy of the CD once we get it done and get all, all right. autographed cool. out. Yeah. And then would you, uh, 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 do we have your permission uh, to play some of your songs on our show? Yes, absolutely. Well, there you go, guys. We'll do that. And uh, I'll ask you this real quick. Uh, they're doing a documentary about me. Maybe I can hear some of your uh, songs in our my documentary. Documentary on who? Him. Tim? Yeah, I, I was just as shocked as you are. Trust me. Oh. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna do. A doc- they're doing a documentary about me. Oh. And uh, we need to, we need some good music for the documentary, and uh, maybe I can use uh, some of your guys' songs too. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm sure you could. Uh, we could. Whatever kind, whatever you want, whatever kind of music you want, really. So well, yeah, we I can will, just I will definitely, definitely discuss that because uh, that'd be no problem. All right. Well, cool. Then what I'll do is I'll send you an address so where uh, you can send us some goodies, send us whatever you uh, feel is cool, and uh, we'll uh, definitely uh, get that done. But uh, you know, we do want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us tonight, and. Uh, You've been awesome, and you are a legend. And uh, hopefully, if we haven't uh, upset you or made you scared or anything like that, you do want to come back with us again. Oh, sure, anytime. I can talk awesome. wrestling for hours. Well, what do you guys think? Should we should we get them back on? Yeah, why not? Yeah, we haven't even talked All about right, the well, AWA yet. I got a lot to say about them. A lot of good stuff to say. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what we, um, you know, it's funny. We, uh, I, I got a, a uh, an AWA show I'm going to do uh, coming up in the next month or so. What I'll do is I'll let you know when that is, and I will, uh, I will have you back on with us, and you can talk to us everything you have about the AWA on that show. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And George well, Shire is what, a real uh, expert on that, but I lived, I lived in Minneapolis and St. Paul for two years, so. But I'd go to Chicago cars from 69 till I started wrestling in 73. So, you know, I got a lot of AWA memories, definitely. So living in Minneapolis, you know how bad the winter sucked too, right? Well, you know, I was drunk most of the time. That didn't bother me. I <laughs> saw <laughs> strong beer up there. I didn't realize it was strong beer. I drank like four cans of Budweiser and I'm like crawling on the floor. And I thought, what the fuck? And yeah, it's very strong. strong beer. The closer you get to Canada, the the stronger the beer gets. So yeah, I found yeah. some strong beer here the other day, six oh, percent. Awesome. So oh wow, been drinking that. 
Well, I'll tell you what, Tom. Uh, we love you very much, and uh, I will uh, I will be in touch with you this week. You can hook me up with your uh, guitarist, and uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, get him some exposure, and then we'll get you back on. And uh, we love you, man. You're awesome. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank Thanks, you. Tom. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, that was great. Hey, uh, a little bit of a connection issue. I think he. Uh, he was listening to the show while on his cell phone because I definitely, I definitely heard the replay in the background. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it was, it was very, very good. Um, I, I, I would be anxious and interested to hear some of his AWA stories because uh, again, I, I didn't watch much of the AWA. It was a little past my, you know, before my time. So uh, to to learn and about uh, new, uh, new territory should be great. What's up? You also had to have the seven second delay button ready too. Oh, I did. I, 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 after the first one, I was, I was ready for it. Um, but, uh, but I mean, it's always on delay anyway. So I just, I just hit the button and yeah. Um, we I do have the second one on. Yeah. 701. Yep. Same as you. It's North Dakota. Dakota. Yep. We good. Alrighty. They are on yep. with us. Icon. do your thing. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping. Out of the green room and walking down that aisle. About to step in the ring right now. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the man that runs Badland Outlaw Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Sam Justfield. Hey, this is Sam Justfield. You're listening to the Attitude Era live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. Hey, Sam, how are you today, buddy-o? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Good. Well, here's what we're going to do. If you want to give us a little background about yourself, and then we'll uh, then we'll ask you some uh, questions. Uh, so go ahead. Tell us a little about yourself, then we'll talk to you. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll just start with uh, my history in the wrestling business. Uh, I started uh, training back in... 99 with Ken Patera and Sheik Adnan Al-Casey when they were actually, uh, they were running their version of the AWA. Uh, I took a little dip out. I later, I came back and trained with Midwest pro wrestling. Uh, that was, uh, headed by Eric Van Arcus Cannon. Um, I've been wrestling for about 15 years. I've been running Badlands outlaw wrestling for about the last 10 years, uh, mostly out in the North Dakota area. And that's just a short little history of uh, my my uh, my my time in the wrestling business. And uh, you know, you mentioned uh, who you started out with. Uh, now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was that was uh, General Adnan in the WWE, who used to manage Sergeant Slaughter, correct? That is absolutely correct. Yes. And as a matter of fact, uh, uh, I don't know if uh, he ever talked to you about uh, guess who we had on uh, about a month or so ago, Bob Roop. Uh, who got him over in Iraq, and uh, because of him, he had to escape from Saddam Hussein out of a uh, to uh, in a uh, he had to commandeer a, uh, a military vehicle uh, to to escape from Saddam Hussein's clutches. Oh man, yeah, that sounds like a wild story. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. Uh, for those of you who want to go back and listen to the Bob in, uh, interview, uh, it's in our archives. Uh, you can check it out from uh, a couple months ago, and uh, you can listen to that. 
So now, you know, yeah, you Bob Roop uh, was one of the. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say Bob Roop was one of the one of the true real man wrestlers in in the wrestling uh, business throughout history. Uh, you know, a true shooter in the business. Yeah, and uh, he and I uh, got really close uh, in our friendship after that interview. And I, I'm just going to sidebar here real quick, then we'll get to you because it's your time. But uh, he and I both have uh, uh, a PS, uh, uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome and uh, PTS or whatever it's called. And uh, he and I have uh, helped each other get through our post-traumatic stress syndrome uh, because we both have it. And uh, oh, wow, that's amazing. Uh, he's been a real great friend. And he's still listening sure, to the show it. to this day. So, yeah, so, Bob, uh, I know you're listening. Uh, I'm, I'm going to call you this week, buddy, and we'll have our session. But, anyway, let's get back to, um, let's get back to you as, uh, as Badland Outlaw Wrestling is with us. We've got 27 minutes here with you. Uh, so, now, you mentioned uh, you're in the North Dakota area, and I know all about being in North Dakota. So, tell us, where in North Dakota you're based? Well, I I was actually I was based out of North Dakota. We've uh, recently relocated to Colorado, but uh, I was uh, in the north or southwestern corner of North Dakota, uh, and really, literally, the middle of nowhere was where I was trying to run my shows, which is uh, probably why it, it didn't work out the best for me out there, uh, and I relocated to Colorado. So you basically went from uh, North Dakota where it snows and stays around for four months to Colorado where it snows in the morning and leaves in the afternoon, basically. Yeah, I mean it's pretty. Yeah, I mean it's, it's almost like just uh, you know tra- trading one one day for another. <laughs> uh, we have uh, we have our buddy here, uh, um, Sam, here with us, and uh, he's with Badland Outlaw Wrestling. So I'm going to ask you a few questions, and we'll kind of go around the room. And then we'll uh, circle back to me, and I'll ask you the tough questions. But um, so uh, when you uh, decided to pick up, and move to Cal- uh, Colorado, uh, did you did you find it hard uh, to find wrestlers in Colorado, or did a lot of them from North Dakota go with you? Uh, well, actually, it's, it's funny. Uh, some of the the wrestlers I met out, you know, like in the Dakotas and in Minnesota area, uh, I met again out here. Uh, however, you know, there, there, there is a pretty good pool of talent here in Colorado already. Um, it's unfortunate the the strength of the talent in this area, it's unfortunate there isn't more attention on the scene here, which is ultimately why I decided to, to pick up and move my company here because I see all kinds of untapped potential and talent out here and, uh, you know, there have been a few, there, not to say that there's nobody out here that's ever done anything or trying to do anything. Uh, I know like Rocky Mountain Pro, they, they had, uh, um, they, they've done quite a bit of different stuff. Uh, Matt Yaden, I believe he was with uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling for some time. Um, you know, they, they've done quite a bit of good stuff out here. There's uh, Colorado Springs Wrestling, which is another great company out here um, that are all trying to make their moves, but Really, on a national scale, there hasn't been very much attention here like there is in a lot of areas. And I think there's certainly the potential, uh, the talent potential out here for that. And, you know, ultimately that's why I decided to kind of move my company out here. And uh, uh, the, the pool of talent, although there is some really talented wrestlers in North Dakota, there aren't very many of them. 
So, you know, just it, dollars and cents kind of told me it was better to come out here where, where there isn't a lot of attention and there's plenty of good talent. Uh, Sam Guestfield is our guest here, the uh, leader of Badland Outlaw Wrestling. Uh, we got 24 minutes here with Sam, but we'll kind of go around the room. Granny Holster, what do you have for our guest, Sam Guestfield? Well, I, I find it interesting he mentions Colorado because Granny lived in a little town in western Kansas for 17 years called St. Francis. We were 35 miles west of Goodland. What part of Colorado are you in up there? We are we are in Colorado Springs, which is okay. just south of Denver. I'm sure you know that's the yep. Olympic City. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I, I know where Colorado we're, Springs we're, is there. I've been there many times. Beautiful. Where the Naval Academy is. Yeah. Yeah. I knew where. So, yeah, I was just kind of curious when you mentioned Colorado. I thought, wow, you know, I mean, because we were like, we were actually 10 miles from the Colorado line and 13 miles from the Nebraska line. I mean, that's, we were like the very last little town in Kansas before you got up into Colorado and Nebraska. So, I mean, I'm very familiar with that. With that area out there, I lived there for 17 years, little farming community. But my question to you is, what was one of your most challenging matches when you did wrestle, when you wrestled? What, what was one of your most toughest matches you had in your career? Uh, what I would say uh, the, the match that stands out to me the most was uh, a match with a guy from, actually a wrestler from North Dakota. He wrestled under uh, Dakota Kid. Um, that was the first match I ever had where I was felt totally and completely uh, out of my element, where I really fully felt like I was wrestling somebody two or three steps ahead of me. Wow. And he, he was another wrestler who was trained by Ken Patera, and I believe later by uh, Harley Race. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, our previous guest was uh, set, uh, got the business from Harley Race. Uh, this is basically like a, a, a tribute to Harley Race show because he's got both our guests in the business. <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, hey, every show Sam should be a tribute to Harley Race show. <laughs> Amen, yeah. brother. Amen, for sure. Uh, Sam Sam Jetsfield's our guest here. We got 22 minutes here with Sam. Uh, Big Swing, what do you got for our guest, uh, Sam Jetsfield? Uh, well, Icon says you. Uh, Icon says you run, um, you know, the Badlands Wrestling promotion out there in uh, good old North Dakota. Um, what uh, what made you want to start a company? I mean, I know you, I know you were a wrestler at one point, um, and, and we'll get into that. But to actually start and run a company, what what brought you on that path to want to do that? First of all, I am still an active wrestler. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in a small town in North Dakota. Uh, there was never. There wasn't very much to offer in the ways of entertainment, especially when it came to variety of entertainment. Okay. I never got to see wrestling growing up other than a couple of times WWF would come to Rapid City, the Civic Center. So I wanted to start a wrestling company just to bring some sort of entertainment, especially the entertainment that I love, which is wrestling. I wanted to bring that and share that to all the people 
in the air, in, in the same kind of areas that I grew up in, where there wasn't really anything. Uh, nice. My hometown is Hedinger, North Dakota. It's about four miles from uh, the South Dakota state line. And uh, for those of you who want to hear more about Hedinger, uh, throw it in your Google machine, type in Hedinger, North Dakota, and uh, you'll hear all about uh, the hometown. It's now a famous hometown because our guest is from there. Uh, go ahead, Big Swing. we got uh, 20 minutes. Go ahead. Well, is it, well, 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 is the weather as bad out there as it is up in Fargo where Icon is? <laughs> it's very similar, yes. Actually, I think uh, a couple years ago, record, Hedinger recorded one of the coldest recorded temperatures in uh, the, the nation's history. I think oh, it was wow. like 42 below before the wind chill or something like that. Yeah, it, it gets cold up. There's no trees or anything to block the wind. So, you know, it's nothing but blowing, stinging wind. <laughs> oh wow! Um, so what what got you into wrestling? What like what made you decide that you wanted to become you know a, a wrestler? Like what uh, I know it's something that a lot of kids you know they watch as kids and they just you know they like doing but or they, or they say hey I want to do that that looks so cool for you to actually go on and do it. What uh, what led to that uh, that decision? Well, you know, I mean, there obviously there are a lot of steps in between, but uh, uh, honestly, the the short answer to your question is, uh, I was watching TV one time in a hotel room in Rapid City with my parents. I was probably five years old. I saw Hulk Hogan, and I was hooked. And I thought, uh, okay. that's what I want to do. And and I I was not a big kid growing up. Uh, I was short, and I was definitely skinny. I had a lot of people laugh at me and tease me for thinking I could do that, but you know I never let that bother me because I I was hooked. I I there was nothing else for me. And was it was it um was it uh, Hulk Hogan WWF or Hulk Hogan WCW? Yeah, it was Hulk Hogan WWF. This would have been. Uh, this would have been around like 1985, 86. Oh, okay. So, so 85 been like area. Okay. You know what I mean? Obviously, he okay. wasn't the only guy, but he was the first guy that I saw that I was really like, man, I don't know what the heck he is doing, but I want to do it too. You know? <laughs> I hear you. All right. Awesome. Uh, Sam Jeskill is our guest here. We have, um, well, we have about. Uh, uh, 18 minutes here with uh, Sam, so I'm going to ask you some of the, the more tougher questions here, uh, and you then uh, you know, if uh, there's and you don't want to answer, just uh, ask me what the next question is, and we'll move on. But um, so, as a promoter, uh, what is your promoting style? Are you like a uh, Vince McMahon kind of send the troops out there? Are you like a uh, Paul Heyman uh, that uh, is uh, in front all the time? Are you like a uh, Triple H that uh, likes to jump in and screw over people when they're getting over. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess I don't know which of those categories I fall under the most cleanly. Um, but I guess if I was going to try to emulate any of them three guys, I would try to emulate Paul Heyman more. Uh, I would like to, I like to think of myself more as the, the guy that, uh, just wants my wants my guys to go out there and have fun, and by having fun, they're going to put on a good show. You know, I mean, if, if uh, 
I, I try not to micromanage things too much. You know, if, if I'm hiring a wrestler to work, to do a job on my show, uh, I already know what he's capable of doing. So I'm going to trust him to go out there and do what I need him to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how many uh, wrestlers do you currently have on your roster? You know, it's, it's really kind of a, a floating roster. I, I have like four fairly solid wrestlers that I try to use uh, on a regular basis. And then I try to rotate different local and, and uh, you know, other independent wrestlers from out of state and whatnot. Uh, I, I'm always fairly partial to Canadian wrestlers as well. So I always like to try to use some Canadian wrestlers when I can. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I liked, you know, I think that there's plenty of talent out there and there's no reason to stick with the same guys all the time. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I'll admit, I kind of did a little, uh, I kind of did a little audition. If you ever need a, uh, cool ring announcer, what do you think of, uh, let the icon have a shot if he's ever out in Colorado there? Hey, if he gets on, if he gets down here for a show, you know, I'll give him a shot. Uh, I, I always like to pride myself on giving everybody an opportunity because there's a place in the wrestling business for everyone. It may not be in the ring. It may not even be next to the ring. But there's a place in the business for everyone if, if you have a passion for it. I, I truly believe. But yeah, he you know, gets down here for is, a BOW show, I'll give him a shot. You know, you know the cool thing is, uh, you know, the icon could probably get uh, Granny Hulkster to go down there as well. And, uh, you know, she's a, she's a great person in the crowd. Uh, like, if you have any good heels, and I'm going uh, to time out there for one second. We'll come back to that. If you have any good heels... Granny would have a field day with them. Uh, what would you say? Who would you say is your best heel on your roster? <laughs> um, I'd have to say you my best say heel on the roster is Animal Sam. He he, he has a way of inciting uh, anger out of people. Uh, Granny, how do you think you do against Animal Sam? Well, you know, I probably could talk some pretty good smack to him because the bigger they are, the more fun I have with them. I mean, you know, I how big is this guy? Well, he it's not that he's all that big. He's just angry and white. <laughs> <laughs> and angry. He's so angry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think I could probably have some pretty good fun talking some smack. You, I think mean. you probably would, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I said, I, you know, I, I have a friend that does wrestling shows over in Oklahoma for kids that have cancer, and he's got a guy by the name of Riker, and Riker's probably close to 350, maybe 375. I'm not sure. I know he's lost some weight, but he came down to me and face to face and she's like, I see the fear in your eyes. And I double up my fist and I'm looking up at him and he's, what are you going to do? Hit me. I said, what do you think? You know, and somebody (laughs) took a picture of me standing there with my fist up in his face. You know, I mean, I, I, I I love, I love talking smack to the bad guys, man. I, you know, cause I help get the crowd going. I I love the independent shows. I mean, I haven't had, I've, I've had this, Granny Hulkster name for probably 25 years because a former co-worker gave it to me 
because I'm such nice. a huge fan. And I've got my original granny shirt, which I still have. It says, what you going to do when Granny Hulkster goes crazy on you? Nice. <laughs> no, so, you know what that is? You're right. That's what's great about the independence is you get that. It's that personal interaction. You know, it, WWE shows, they're, they're great. They have great wrestlers. They have all this amazing presentation and production and stuff, but it, it lacks that interaction between wrestler and fan, that personal, like, really true, real interaction. Well, it does you know? now. It, it, it used to have that back in the heyday, but, yeah, right now it just it, it, it just seems like the, like, like the big budget over-commercialized now, yeah. When, well, when I got hooked it's back like... in the 80s, when I got hooked back in the 80s going to house shows, in the Rapid City, in the Rushmore Civic Center in Rapid City, South Dakota, you know, touch. I remember touching Tatanka when he walked by and feeling the oil on his hand and thinking, I don't ever want to wash this hand. And they'd come back around after the show and they'd sign autographs and they'd talk, you know, and it, it, it just, I mean, I'm sure they do some of that now, but it just, it just doesn't seem to be the same. I have met so many famous wrestlers over the years. I mean, I've met Tatanka. I mean, I'm friend, I'm personal friends with Trevor Murdoch, beautiful Bobby Eaton, Rock and Roll Express. I mean, you know, Tommy Dreamer, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I mean, you know, and I, I had the opportunity to meet Ron Simmons and Tony Atlas about a year ago oh, at an autograph signing in Oklahoma. And Ron Simmons said, Granny, he says, I got to tell you, he says, you are that true fan that we so much love back in the day that you just don't see anymore, you know, because I, and that to me, that was a true compliment. You know, that was a, yeah. a, a very humbling compliment to me from somebody like Ron Simmons. I mean, you know, and true it was funny because, yes. And, you know, Tony Atlas, he was hilarious. And my husband and I went to get our picture with him, and I was going to have him stand in the middle. He says, oh, no, 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 baby, you got to stand in the middle. He says, black and white and plenty of loving all night. <laughs> I mean, this guy was nuts. I loved him. He was so funny. And I mean, but, you know, meeting Ron, somebody like Ron Simmons and, you know, Ricky and Robert, oh, my gosh, I we got to see Ricky and Robert at an autograph signing last September. It was Ricky Morton's birthday, and we were just in a little town in Alma, Arkansas, not very big. And and Robert, you know, put his WWE Hall of Fame ring on my finger for the picture. I didn't even ask oh, if wow. I could wear it. I mean, he just he put it on my finger, and that's huh. what such good friends we are. And I've met them several occasions. Tommy Dreamer, I've had dinner with Tommy Dreamer and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You know, so. It's amazing. I, you know, I I love I love doing what I do. And, oh yeah. And uh, nothing says <laughs> I love you better than a Hall of Fame ring from the WWE. You know, we know. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Sam Jessfield's our guest here. We got nine minutes here with Sam. Uh, I want to kind of circle back uh, to your promotion now. Uh, how often do you run shows? Uh, uh, once a week, every other week, twice a month, couple of times a month, uh, every other month, every quarter. How often do you do shows? BOW has been a very slow company. I'm not going to lie. Um, on average, we're, we've done about a show a year. Um, that's part of the reason with the move. That, that's something that I, I've wanted to change. Um, uh, I chose a, a poor place to start my company just simply because 
of population more than anything and availability of wrestlers. But that's, you know, uh, that's part of the reason for the move. And that's what we are wanting to do is moving forward is we're wanting to do shows monthly. We've actually been talking to a few places here in Southern Colorado about doing uh, shows monthly and possibly even a weekly arrangement with another budding company that we've uh, uh, met here in Southern Colorado called SoCo Pro Wrestling, who is trying to start a wrestling school doing weekly shows as well. So when is, so when is your next show, or have you already had it for the year? We, we haven't had anything yet this year. Uh, our next show we're looking right now, uh, we, we haven't uh, put a date down for sure, but we're looking at the end of March. March 27th is the date that we're looking at the best, but uh, like I said right now, nothing has been finalized. We've been we've been talking to one place in particular, but I don't I don't want to let too much information out because nothing's been completely agreed upon, and I don't want to get anybody's hopes up too much. Well, here's what I'm going to do for you. Here, here's what our show is going to do for you. When you find out when your show is, I want you to contact me on Yahoo Messenger the way we've been contacting. I want you to let me know when your show is going to be. We will promote the hell out of it, and if uh, you can get us some of your wrestlers on. We'll we'll promote we'll we'll do a, we'll we'll do a whole half hour about your promotion. We'll get people out there for you. We'll get we'll get you some money made, and in exchange maybe you can get us some autographed posters or pictures or something. I'd absolutely love to do that with you folks. Yeah, we oh, here in uh, Attitude Our Live we call it advertising for autographs. You know, and if you it's uh, a good gimmick. if you need something to do like. If you ever have a if you ever have a Christmas show or something, you can uh, have the icon do one of those commercials. Bye, have a merry Christmas, but you can have a bad land Christmas. <laughs> Excellent, sounds great. So, uh, well, uh, so you're uh, you're planning in March, and you want to try and get something done, uh, you know, once a month, and uh, and what. And here's what we'll do. Anytime that you, uh, when you get things going, uh, no matter what it is, uh, if you do, if you have radio spots or whatever, we'll plan for you. We'll promote you. We'll do everything we can to help you out. You know, and right. uh, we, would, uh, we we want to do a working relationship with you. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That that, that would be uh, very very uh, much appreciated. And uh, you know. Uh, uh, I would love to, uh, like I, uh, I said, you know, the icon would love to come out there, and uh, you know, if uh, you know, Granny ever can get out there, uh, like I say, we'll uh, we can do a lot of stuff for you. And uh, I, for our fans that are listening, like, why the hell is he making a business deal when he's got an interview? Well, it, it's it's what I do, and uh, I don't know if you can do this or not, but I, I sent you an address on uh, on uh, Facebook. Maybe you can send us yeah. uh, some autographs of you that we can have for our giveaways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I got it here awesome. right in front of me. I'd absolutely awesome. love to do that. Cool. Yeah. Hey, and, 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 I mean, who cares if we're pulling out a business deal live on a podcast? Like, why not? Where else? They've been well, done you know, in worse places, right? <laughs> right. Well, technically, we're not a podcast. I want people to know that we're not a podcast. We are an entertainment mecca. We're not a podcast okay. anymore. We're an entertainment mecca. Allow me to correct myself. This is not a podcast. This is an entertainment mecca of information. There you go. There you go. And I can I can edit that to make you say 
etiquette, uh, whatever the hell I just <laughs> You can probably edit that to get me to say anything you want, unfortunately. <laughs> well, actually, be- believe me, I've, I've had to edit out a lot of stuff to make my to put myself over, and uh, big swinging Jerry <laughs> don't know that, but uh, I've done it. Uh, anyway, so we got about we got Sam uh, Desfield here. We got four minutes here with Sam. So um, let me ask you this: If uh, we have wrestlers that are listening right now that wanted to uh, come and uh, work for your promotion, what would they have to do? Do they have to have a tryout? Do they send you tapes? Do they send you a resume? If they wanted to come work for you uh, and wrestle for you and help you out, what would they have to do? Uh, you know, if if it's somebody that I've never met before, or, or I don't know any, or I, I haven't, you know, haven't met or worked with before, the best thing to do is to send me, you know, a YouTube video to the the Badlands Outlaw Wrestling page on Facebook. That's the easiest way, or at least to establish initial conversation. Um, YouTube's a great platform, I think, for uh, sharing videos and whatnot. I'm sorry, what was that? And uh, I just realized, I forgot to do this with our other guests, but if our fans did want to check you out and see you, you got a Facebook, you got YouTube, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitch, you got a GoFundMe, what do you got? Yeah, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of lame and, and old school, I guess, with the social media. If I could still do MySpace, I probably would still be on it. But <laughs> most of my stuff is, every pretty much all my stuff is on Facebook. Uh, Facebook, Sam Jessfield. Um, my wrestling name is Madman from the Badlands, Animal Sam, or what we're most importantly, what we're talking about today, Badlands Outlaw Wrestling. You search for any of them on Facebook. Badlands Outlaw Wrestling is the best way to get booked on, on uh, you know, Badlands Outlaw Wrestling shows. That's a great way to establish initial, initial conversation with us. I'm not the only person who makes decisions on who's booked. So it's always good to share stuff on that because other people read the messages to the other, you know, powers that be within the company. So that's really the best way to reach any of us. Well, you know, you mentioned MySpace. You mentioned kind of old school. You, you don't have an AOL email address, do you? You know, I probably do, but I don't remember what it is. Like there might be two or three of them out there, though. <laughs> Hey Sam, do you ever do you ever wrestle in other states besides Colorado? I do try to branch out. Last winter, I was actually on a tour, and I, Granny Hulkster, I bet you heard of Bad Boys of Wrestling before. If you're a yeah, I have. I went on tour with them last winter, actually, uh, with the Monster Trucks. Um, so I, I've done some wrestling out in Kansas and whatnot. I've been trying to branch back out to Minnesota as well. That's, you know, where I, I broke into the wrestling business. Well, um, we've got a couple of good wrestling federations that are wrestling in Arkansas right now, and you need to kind of, you need to bring you and Animal, Animal Sam, y'all need to come to Arkansas, and Granny, you know, look me up on Facebook, my real name is Lori Burt, but it's Granny Hulkster in parentheses, and uh, message me, and I can get you in touch with the people that's in charge of those promotions, and Y'all need to come to Arkansas and wrestle, and that way Granny can talk some smack to Animal Sam. Oh, yes, ma'am. We might have to look into doing that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Sam Jesfield is our guest here. Uh, 
we we got to wrap this up because our next guest should be calling in here any any time. So we do appreciate it. Like I said, I want you to stay in contact with me. Uh, we're going to promote your business, and we'll do whatever we can to uh, help you out. And uh, maybe uh, uh, we can uh, do some giveaways or something for, like, comp tickets or something if you can do that uh, the next time you're on. But we'll, we'll promote the hell out of you, and we'll do everything we can for you. Excellent. Sounds great. Thank you so much for your time and for uh, giving me time to talk. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sam. Have a good day. All right. You Sam bet. Jeffield, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Jeffield, ladies and gentlemen, Badland Wrestling. So, hey, now, uh, our, our guest should be calling in here shortly, but uh, she is a legend. We're going to be talking to Princess Victoria when she calls in. But, uh, you know, you guys, from now on, we're not going to refer to ourselves as a podcast because that's not what we are. We're an entertainment mecca. Every, anybody, any Joe Blow can have a podcast, but no one can do what we do on this show. No one can even touch it. Not even if you're from Winnipeg and couldn't pass the piss test. That's <laughs> where we are. <laughs> or, or if you're a wannabe surfer dude that thinks to put your uh, face in seaweed is bitching, we, you can't touch his either. Bro, he's. I, wow. I, I wish I, had, I. I wish I had like a. I wish I had like the uh, the bomb sound effect. Icon just over here just just <gasps> dropping uh, an <dropping gasps> atom bomb over here. But uh, all right, Icon, we do have somebody on uh, with us. It's a seven five seven number. Uh, that would be it. Yep. That would be it. All righty. Yep. So for the benefit of those with flash photography, Icon, I'm gonna let you do your thing. Put them on. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. She is a legend in the wrestling ring. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the lovely, the vivacious, and the hotness in the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Princess Victoria. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Princess Victoria. You're listening to Attitude Era Live with the Icon, the Big Swing, and Granny Hulkster. And I would like to say that is probably one of the best introductions I've had in my entire life. Thank you. You you are definitely welcome. Princess Victoria is our guest here. We get so did he pay you to say that, or what happened? <laughs> well, he, now he did say the check was in the mail. Ah... Well, the, well, you, you see, because usually he has to was, ask about it, and you just yeah. Usually he has to ask. You just led right in with it, so I figured something's up here. Something's fishy. <laughs> well, the check in the mail, the check in the mail is to drop the uh, uh, the uh, restraining order. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, you know, I talked to the judge about that a couple weeks ago, and he said it's still got two more years in effect. Ah, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, enough of this craziness. So we got Princess Victoria here. We got thirty-nine minutes. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Then we'll kind of go around the room, and then we'll circle back to me. And I'll ask you the tough stuff. But uh, if you want to give us a little background about yourself, and then we'll talk to you. Well, I I started wrestling in. Uh, well, I started training for wrestling in 1978, and I was trained by Sandy Barr. Uh, from the Pacific Northwest, uh, several other gentlemen in wrestling who are very well known had a hand in my training. Uh, Roddy Piper, Ed Wiskowski, Buddy Rose, 
Stan Stasiak, uh, the Professor Dale Lewis. Uh, and back in my day, when you trained, it wasn't if you were going to throw up. It's which one of the garbage cans beside the ring you were going to throw up in or if you were going to make it to said garbage can. Ah. Wow. Well, back in my day, you had to earn your way in the ring. And you had to pay your dues. And if you couldn't pay your dues, you never made it to the ring. Which is something that, in my personal opinion, is lacking with today's profession. Too many people... Now, uh, go ahead, sir. Well, in, in my opinion, too many people go to Joe Blow Trainer, who's never, you know, maybe had, you know, three or four starting matches, wouldn't know how to train a wrestler if his soul depended on it, and you have way too many people in the ring who don't know what they're doing these days. Amen. Now, when you when you were out there wrestling, you know, you mentioned you had to earn your spot. It wasn't just given to you because of who you were, who trained you. Uh, but when you wrestled, uh, would, were, were you at the time considered a, a baby face, a heel, or an in-betweeny? I was, a, I was an in-betweeny. I, I was, in the States, I was a baby face. Um, for some reason, every time I stepped out of the United States, other than into Canada, I became a heel. Uh, Japan was one of my favorite places to go. I went there six or seven times, and their main baby face, Mimi Higawara, and I had several battles. And in Japan, Americans are not well white, or were not 30 years ago anyway. That, that's awesome. Prison Victoria's our guest. So we got 37 minutes. Well, uh, Granny, uh, we do have a little bit of a, a, a touch of the heel with this. So what do you got for our guest, Prison Victoria? We got 37 minutes. Go ahead. Well, I am a big fan. I'm not a wrestler, but uh, Granny likes to talk smacks to the smack to the heels. I have a pretty good time doing that when I go to these independent shows. In your career, what was your most memorable match, and what was your most challenging match you ever had? Oh, my most memorable match would probably be a match in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And Lanny Poffo, we were in a mixed tag team match. Lanny Poffo. I know Lanny Poffo. Lanny's an awesome person. Yes, he is. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Randy Savage's brother, actually. Brother. Yes, absolutely correct. And we were we were in a mixed tag team match against Buddy Landau and Wendy Richter. Oh wow! And it, was in, it was in a uh, uh, a cinder block building, <coughs> and I threw Wendy into the ropes. Oh no! Wendy threw me in, into the ropes. What happened at the very end of the match? Wendy threw me into the ropes. She dropped down. I went over her, went to hit the other side of the ring, and Buddy Landau was there with a front forearm to my face. Well, when he hit me, my mouth happened to be open just perfectly. He hit me. It went pow. 
And that pal bounced off of every single wall in the building. And the crowd went immediately dead silent. And I, of course, was knocked out, and I'm laying in the middle of the ring, and all of a sudden, out of a dead silence, this crowd, they didn't pop, they roared. And at the same time, they stormed the ring. And wow. In the end, Buddy Landell and Wendy Richter had to crawl under the ring to get away from the fans because this wasn't five fans or ten fans. This was the entire arena of about 500 people. Were you worried about your safety there? uh, I wasn't worried about my safety. I was more worried about Wendy and Buddy because that's who they were after. They were hollering, you don't treat a lady like that here. And like I said, Wendy and Buddy had to crawl under the ring. And it took security probably 15 minutes to get the fans away from the ring so that they could get Buddy and Wendy out from under the ring and back into the dressing room. Wow. So was it kind of like, uh, was it, was it, would you kind of compare the situation to like, when Hulk Hogan turned heel and went to the NWO, would you kind of uh, describe it like that? Or was it worse? Um, I didn't see I didn't see that match, so I can't say that. But it was probably pretty much like when Piper hit Snook in the head with the coconut. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, the... Yeah, the, these fans, the fans were just, they were, they were out of blood. And uh, uh, back in the dressing room, buddy, buddy told Bill Watts, I'm never getting in a mixed tag match again. And Bill Watts laughed at him and said, oh, yes, you are. You're in it tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> well, just oh, off the record, guys, just off the record, guys, Granny gets involved, but I don't storm the ring, okay? I've never gotten that involved in a match. I've, I've never stormed the ring, and I don't plan on it. Granny knows her limitations. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I got I got to share, share a funny story with you. Um, I was at a well, show in Harrison, Arkansas. Okay. Yeah, hold on one second. Uh, Princess Victoria's our guest here. We've got 32 minutes. Uh, go ahead, Granny. Oh, I was going to say, um, we had Cowboy Bob Orton at uh, Mid-States in Harrison one time. And I was booing him, and I was just giving him all sorts of grief. And he, I mean, he stopped in the middle of the match, stomped his foot, put his hands on his hips, and says, Granny, I thought we were friends. And I said, we are. He says, well, then why are you booing me? I said, because you're not being a very good boy right now, Bob. I could see the look on Bob's face when you said that, yep. too. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, you see, and I met Lanny Popo at an autograph session, and he actually gave me one of his books that he wrote and personally autographed it to me. He was such a – he's such a wonderful man. I just love Lanny. Oh, yeah. Lanny's one of my favorite people in the business. Um, he He's always been a gentleman. And I did enjoy tagging with him while I was in Louisiana. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we we uh, had, we had some good um, memories in Louisiana. There was a big crew of us down there that we pretty much see. Lanny started out in Portland about the same time I did, and he hadn't become the professor yet. He was just a young green kid, and uh, Terry Allen, uh, Magnum TA, was also there in Louisiana, and he started out. With me in Portland. In fact, I trained with Magnum TA. Oh, I love Magnum TA. He was one of my favorites back in the day. Oh, Terry's uh, a very, very sweet man. One of the one of the nicest men you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, Principal, in fact, uh, a, a very little fact about uh, Magnum TA and I is that we both we met each other before either one of us even thought about becoming a professional wrestler. And we actually dated for a time. Wow. And then he left and went to Virginia, so he had their construction business. And the next time I saw him, I was in the lane training with Sandy Barr, and here comes Terry walking out of the dressing room to train. And you could have bought us both for a nickel. That's amazing. We got the... Yeah, Sandy Barr knew that. that we had dated before, and he he didn't tell either one of us that the other one was going to be there. Oh wow! Wow, that's it was a nice reunion. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, Victoria's our guest here. We got uh, twenty nine minutes here with Victoria. Uh, Big Swing, what do you got for our guest, the legend Princess Victoria? Then we'll come back to me, and I'm going to ask the tougher question. So go ahead, Big Swing, what do you got? Oh, the tougher questions. Like, mine aren't tough enough. Um, When did uh, – well, basically, how did you get involved in the in the wrestling game? Like, I mean, it's it's something that a lot of people watch as kids, and they say, oh, wow, that's cool. I want to do that. But they don't you – know, not everybody gets into it, and especially females as well. It, it, it's a lot more rare – not so much nowadays, but, but it, it's more rare than it is – uh, for guys, uh, how did you end up getting getting into it and kind of take us down your path as to how you got where you're at? Well, I was 16, and I had uh, left home when I was 14, and I was living in Portland. And I used to go to the masses on Knoxville Boulevard in uh, Portland. And every Saturday night that I could get off work, I was there. And I got to know Sandy Barr. I got to know uh, Dale Weir, uh, the security guards. I even met Don. And uh, they started putting me on the front row. Uh, well, first, they quit charging me for my ticket. Then they started putting me on the front row for free. Um, so I made dang sure I was there every Saturday night. And uh, then one day... Uh, I lost, well, I quit my job. I was working at Denny's on 23rd and Burnside in Portland, and I quit my job and went to the matches that night and told Sandy Barr that I had quit my job and I needed a job. So he hired me. I was uh, breaking the ring down, setting the ring up, setting up his flea market. Uh, from Friday night until Monday morning, it was pre- pretty much nonstop. You, I was at the arena 24 hours a day. And uh, Friday night, we set up for Sandy Bar's Flea Market uh, Saturday morning. 
Saturday evening about 5 o'clock, we'd shut down the flea market, put the 200 or so tables back up against the wall, bring out the ring, set up the ring, set up the chairs. We'd, I'd sell tickets, or I'd sell uh, programs. Then after the ministers were over, we'd break down the ring again, set up the 200 tables for a flea market, and uh, one day Sandy had been... Uh, he, he, he had a wrestle going, and he approached me. Now, I was a diehard fan. You know, the, the, Buddy, the Buddy Rose, Roddy Piper uh, feud, when Roddy Piper turned baby, I was sitting in the front row, and I was ready to kill Buddy Rose. Um, but anyway, Sandy one day, he told me, he said, look, he said, I'm running this wrestling school. I've got a girl that's wrestling, but I don't have any other girl to train with her could you come, you know, to the arena and train with her? He was going to pay me to train, so I figured, you know, okay, I'll, I'll go out there and do whatever I can do. And the next thing I knew, this girl had quit, and Sandy still insisted on me being in training. Next thing I knew, he said, okay, you're ready to wrestle. And he brought in Bella McIntyre to train. The next thing I knew, my name was Princess Victoria. I was fighting Velvet McIntyre. So basically you could say Sandy Barr tricked me into the business. <laughs> as, as much as I loved wrestling, I had wow. never even considered becoming a, a woman wrestler. In fact, at that time, I'd never seen any women wrestlers. I didn't even know there were women wrestlers. Yeah, at that time, there really weren't that many, so, yeah. No, there weren't. No, there weren't. And from what I know now, the knowledge that I have now, the women wrestlers, they didn't come into a territory for any longer than maybe a week. You know, they were, they were a specialty match, just like the midgets were a specialty match. So they'd come in for two or three days, and then they'd be gone. Um, but like I said, basically Sandy Barr tricked me into becoming a professional wrestler. Uh, from probably the time that I took my first bump, I was hooked. Uh, I, I, I was like a sponge. And when I was training, you know, there wasn't, you didn't train one day a week or one day a month. You tra- you train twice a day, seven days a week. No excuses. And I started my day out. I ended up uh, moving in with Sandy. Me and Velvet both moved in with Sandy because Velvet didn't have a place to stay. She came down in Canada, and Sandy got tired of me being late for training, so he put me and Velvet in a room in his house so that I wouldn't be late for training anymore. And... Uh, and so the story goes. Awesome. I mean, that's that's probably uh, one of the more in-depth, uh, you know, stories I got with that question. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it, was kinda, it, was, it was kind of an in-depth situation. Uh, like I said, it never crossed my mind to become a, a female wrestler. But I knew uh, it there. I was. Christopher Torres, our guest here. We got uh, 23 minutes here with uh, uh, Princess Victoria. So, 
there's one subject that I, I, I like to talk to you about, and uh, I'll understand if you don't want to go into it, but uh, I'm kind of hoping maybe you can, uh, with this subject, debunk some myths that have been tossed out there over the last couple of years. But uh, now you did some uh, some wrestling and training with Fabulous Moolah, correct? Yes, I did. Now, there's been a lot of stuff over the last couple of years about Fabulous Moolah. Did you help us debunk some of those uh, some of those rotten myths that have come up over the last couple of years about Fabulous Moolah that are not true? Well, I can tell you that she didn't pimp us out. Uh, that's, a, that's a fallacy. That, that never happened. Not while I was there anyway. Um, as far as her stealing from the girls, I can't debunk that because she stole from me. And I now, just recently you- found out that not only did she steal from me where wrestling, where my wrestling pay was concerned, but I found out that she had uh, about 10 different action, uh, uh, professional uh, shots of me that people were writing her and being professional shots that supposedly had my autograph on them, and these people were paying for these shots. And I never got a penny out of them. And I never autographed any any shots for, you know, for Moolah to send out. So they were they were fake autographs then? Yes, sir. So, and uh, anything uh, anything that anything that was uh, autog- any eight by ten that came from Moolah's property. After September of 1984 is definitely fake because I was not even on the property. Uh, I'm going to circle back to that uh, just a second. As long as we're mentioning autographs, uh, and you mentioned that the stuff that she sold was fake and you never got a cut of it, uh, would you be willing to, uh, if I sent you an address, would you be willing to send us some autographs for some giveaways uh, for our fans, uh, uh, like real ones? Uh, actually, I mailed those to you this morning. There you go. There you go. See, I didn't even have to ask. You already knew. And, uh, and I know I got, uh, I was going to come and personally pick them up, but with the restraining order and everything, I kind of, I'm going to stay here, uh, with the snow and the cold and the crap. But anyway, uh, I want to kind of circle back to you. Now, you mentioned that, uh, you know, she was, like, stealing from you, like, uh, now, was it like, uh, was it like, uh, Money that she was stealing from you, she was stealing property from you, ring time. Uh, uh, well, from what I can find out, what had happened was when us girls, when Mula sent us girls out to different promoters, um, all the promoters except for Don Owens in Portland and Bill Watts in the Louisiana Territory sent our checks for our pay back to Mula and we got dropped. You know, if we needed a hundred bucks to go, we'd get a hundred dollar draw, and they'd just take it out of our check that they sent to Moolah. Well, Jimmy Martin got a hold of some of the checks that were that were uh, some copies of the checks that were sent to Moolah, and just Judy alone, uh, she could she will tell you that 
probably nine out of ten of those checks, she was never given credit for more than 50% of the checks. And then Moolah would go ahead and take her 25% off of the 50% that she gave us. And Judy Martin tried to sue her, but his her lawyer, uh, Judy Martin's lawyer, told her point blank, there's no doubt that she stole from you. The proof's right here because we all kept a ledger of our wages, what we were, what we thought we were getting paid. And uh, the lawyer said, there's just one problem. You don't have enough money to fight her. She's got five lawyers, and she will spend as much money as it takes, and you don't have enough money to take it to the uh, battleground. And Judy Martin told that story at CAC uh, in 2018. And I was sitting right beside her when she told it. Uh, Princess Victoria's our guest here. We've got 18 minutes with Victoria. You know, uh, now, they uh, they did a show, um, um, The Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, I believe that uh, they interviewed you for that, didn't they? Uh, yes, sir. They actually gave me quite a large segment on uh, a large part of one of the segments. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I still have uh, – they actually put out – I don't know if you knew this or not, but they actually put out the regular episode uh, and then extended cut. Uh, so there's actually more of you on the extended cut than there was on the regular cut. I don't know if you knew that or not. No, I didn't, but I would appreciate if you sent me a link to that because I'd like to see the extended cuts. I know that what they did, what they did show on the regular, uh, episode itself, uh, they didn't cut anything. They didn't, uh, take anything out of context. What I said, what you saw me say was exactly what I said. And uh, I have to admit, uh, you know, uh, I, I've, I've always been, uh, I've known you since I was a kid, and I, you're, you're probably going to hate me for saying this, and the, the restraining order will probably go up to five years, but when you started in the business is when I was born, okay? So when you started, I was, I, when you started your, your career, I was starting in life, and uh, I, I remember uh, watching you as a kid, you know, against uh, Wendy Richter. Uh, now, let me ask you this. If, do you, are you aware uh, if there's any uh, matches of you that are out there that people can see, or uh, would, you, would they find you on the WWE Network? And if well, there is any match I, I, out there... I, I do know that on the Legends of Wrestling on the WWE, they have several of my matches. But you don't have to buy the WWE program to see them. There are probably 50-plus matches of me versing, uh, me and Velvet uh, versing Joyce Brabel, Wendy Richter, me and Velvet wrestling against Leilani Kai and uh, uh, Despina Montagas. There's single matches of me wrestling Judy Martin, and all you have to do is go to YouTube, type in Princess Victoria Wrestler, and hit search, and the matches will come up. Now, is there any particular match out there that uh, you would recommend our fans watching? All of them. 
And the main reason I say that is not not because I'm wrestling, but I'm wrestling some of the great women. Uh, you get, there's matches of me and Velvet on there wrestling each other. Uh, I'm wrestling legends like Judy Martin, Joyce Grable, Wendy Richter, uh, Leilani Kai. Uh, and this, the matches that I wrestled, that's when wrestling was wrestling. We, we did not consider ourselves divas. And we did not consider wrestling entertainment. That was our sport, and that was our business. Well, I'm going to ask you about that. We got pictures, Victoria. We got about 14 minutes here uh, left with Victoria. Uh, now, I don't know how uh, how diverse you are in the current product or the Attitude Era or anything like that. But you know when they were calling them divas and doing bra and panties matches and. Uh, you know, gravy bowl matches, stuff like that. What is your opinion uh, when they had women's wrestling back then uh, doing, like, the lingerie matches, stuff like that, compared to now when they have titles and they actually refer to them as wrestlers again? What is your thought on uh, that? I'm glad to see women's wrestling being put back in the light that it is now. Uh, Ronda, Ronda, Ronda Rousseau, um, I've seen her wrestle. Uh, I've watched some of her matches on YouTube. That's one tough lady. Uh, I've watched uh, ROH and WOH, which is Ring of Honor and Women of Honor. Uh, and they've got some fantastic female wrestlers who are actually wrestlers. They're not cookie cutters. They're not divas. They're not strutting around, you know, in shirts cut down to their belly buttons and shorts cut cut up to their navel. Uh I think I think it was nineteen eighty seven. I was watching I happened to get up and I was watching the WWE network and they were in uh Kuwait. And they were talking about that, you know, Exploits was playing Santa Claus and there was gonna be this contest between these three women in order to win being Santa's helper. Well, they came out to the ring, and they had their little short Santa suits on, which, you know, that's fine. We all had our short little coats. But when they took off those short little coats, they had three triangles and butt flops. And they didn't proceed to wrestle. They proceeded to dance, have a dance-off. And I almost put my foot through my 55-inch DLP because I was disgusted. Uh, but the way that this, in my opinion, degraded and basically destroyed women in wrestling by the things that he had those women do. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't exactly blame the women. Because at that time, that was the only thing going, and they had to do what they had to do in order to make their money. But what he did at women's wrestling, uh, I'll never forgive him for. Because he he turned my sport into basically a TNA show. But I am very happy to see where it's going back to. And I'd like to thank the fans for that. Because the fans are the ones who are demanding wrestling and if you watch 
especially these independent shows. If you listen to them, listen to the crowd. They want to see wrestling. They don't want to see TNA. They don't want to hear a bunch of soap opera crap. They want to see wrestling. And because of those fans, wrestling is going back to what it was in my day, which is wrestling. Well, Christopher uh, Victoria is our guest here. We have, uh, we have 11 minutes here with Victoria. I mean, one thing I do, I do want to ask you about, uh, your your ring attire back in the day, because I remember you always wore this bright yellow, um, this bright yellow, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a, a skirt or a dress or whatever it was, but uh, it, I, I remember was, that. I remember it, how, how cute you were. Thank did you. you did uh, you design that, or was that suggested? Yes, that, that was my own design. I up, and when I was in Japan, they had this fantastic guy who uh, designed boots and outfits for us ladies. And I find, uh, you'll see, if you look, you'll see that the yellow boots that I'm wearing match the outfit. And I had both the boots and that outfit made handy. That was my own design. Uh, unfortunately, when uh, I couldn't that. Uh, Mr. Curtis, I guess you're, you're kind of cutting out there a little bit. Are you still with us? I think we lost her. Big Spring, is she still on? Um, she was, and now it just says that the line had dropped off. So I, I think maybe she had had a reception issue. She should probably call back to it a bit if, if, yeah. But... She could be. She could be in an area. Where, where is this? Let me see. Seven. What was she? Seven five seven. Yeah. Um. That is. Uh. I mean, that's Virginia. I mean, that that should have decent. You know, decent cell coverage, but. You know, well, we'll, we'll you, see. Uh, uh, she's coming back down. Just to let everybody know, we got coming on uh, next week. We got uh, Casey Carlisle coming on next week. Uh, we're supposed to have Beverly Shade, and we have uh, we're supposed to have one person guest, but he had to cancel because of a contract dispute. But uh, I don't know who our replacement is going to be, but we'll we'll get into that next week. I believe she's back on. Now. Um, nope, not yet. Oh, she just texted me and said she was. I'm excited yeah, about next a- week because I got to meet Casey Carlisle at the CWA show in Maumelle, Arkansas, uh, not too long ago, back on January 18th. Yeah, she told me that she would wonder about me, so I appreciate that. Thank you. That was a joke for anybody that. that I know it was. Had- I know uh, it was. I know it was. <laughs> I, I, I was waiting for the sound effect, but. No, yeah, no, you only get it once per show. On? Is she back on? Um, nope. Okay. Uh, she said she was coming back, but uh, <sighs> anyway, uh, yeah, I was about to get into my favorite match of hers that I ever that I ever saw, and hopefully she'll call back. So uh, 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 I'll just let her know we'll put her on when you when she calls in.
So anyway, yeah, only ten minutes. Ten minutes left to go here. Um, well, actually, about eight minutes left to go. Well, if we ever if we ever have to go over, what happens? Does it give you a signal or what? No, it it, it just like right now, the numbers of like how long is left is in white, and then after it. It reaches its two hours, they go to red, and then it, it's counting down, and, and uh, we have another hour or two hours we could go. It just wouldn't be live. You'd have to listen to the playback version. You wouldn't be able to listen to it. Like, if somebody were to go to the the, the feed right now, uh, I mean, it, it, it would cut us off mid-sentence, and then the show would end. And then after we ended, it would take a minute to process, and then they could upload the, the rest of it. All right, but well, they only right. get the two hours of it as actual live. Well, maybe we should start doing that, you know, to get more uh, traffic, uh, you know, to our, you know, to our site, you know. Uh, she's on hold. Put so mm-hmm. her back on. She's not though. Huh. I'm looking at the switchboard. She, she's not. Probably. To, to I mean, I did. And it may not let her call in, since it's getting so close to the end of the show. It may not let her call back in where she can get back in the queue. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent. Well, that's what's, that's what's sad. Yeah, if I mean, I mean, if she's. She can hear the, the oh there she is okay she wasn't a minute ago but it literally just popped up all right so final six minutes there so she's she back is. on with us hello all right, uh, I'm back all right Princess Victoria's our guest here and uh, Big Swing uh, we might uh, decide to uh, just go a little over if that's all right uh, and uh, our fans will have to uh, download the show to listen to the rest of this but there is one match that I do want to talk to you about. Uh, okay. And I do appreciate you calling back, and I don't know what happened with the connection there, but, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of the ladies hang up on me when I start talking about their outfits, but anyway, that's another story for another time. So, here's the one match that I'd like to talk to you about. Because uh, okay. I remember it, uh, I was, uh, see how old I was, I was uh, five years old when I saw it. Uh, and uh, it was, uh, December 28th, 1982. Do you remember what match I'm referring to? No. Refresh my memory. Fabulous Mula and Wendy Rector versus you and your partner. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Mula was a tough guy on the ring. I'm not talking about that. Well, Mula was... No matter what anybody says bad about Mula... Even what I say, Mula was a fantastic wrestler, and she was very tough in the ring. And I probably still carry hidden bruises from wrestling that match against her and Wendy. I remember it was a, it was kind of a brutal match. Can you uh, can you take us through it uh, when you found out that you were going to do it? Uh, who booked it? And uh, kind of take us through that match because that's the match of you that sticks out most on my mind where I actually fell in love with you. Because I'd like, oh, I, told, I told my friends, I said, 
one of these days I'm going to talk to her on the phone. I, I'm going to ask her to marry me or whatever. I was fine. But anyway, take us to the match. Go ahead. Well, um, it, I believe that was a WWF match. It was probably yep, it was. Madison Square Garden. It was more than likely Madison yep. Square Garden. And right. uh, yep. we, see, we didn't really know who we were wrestling until we got to the arena. And when I found out it was Moolah and Wendy, and I had wrestled both of them before, I, I knew I was going to take a look in that night. Um, because both of those ladies are very, very tough in the ring. And as I recall, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they pretty much beat the snot out of me the whole match. If I'm not mistaken, Velvet came in for the save, and she's the one who won that fall. Yeah, and uh, what I remember is, uh, I'll I'll take you back to what I remember, then you can kind of hopefully fill in the blanks, but... Uh, I'm like watching this, and uh, I mean, you got to remember, I'm five years old, and I was actually throwing my toys at the TV because I was trying to get Mula to stop hitting you. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I needed all the help I could get because, and as I recall, too, she had a fondness for uh, snatching me by the hair and throwing me across yeah. the ring. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was so terrible. Well, those pigtails were cute, but sometimes, uh, a lot of times, they were used as a weapon against me. And uh, no one took full advantage of that. Uh, Prince Victoria's our guest here. We got uh, three minutes left of the uh, the live feed, and uh, we're going to go a little over. Uh, so, uh, fans that are listening, uh, the live feed is going to cut off here in about three minutes. Uh, and then uh, you can uh, download the rest of the interview because uh, we want to start getting traffic to our website. But uh, yeah, no, it, it is. Gonna, just so you know, it is going to cut you off like probably mid sentence. But again, if that happens and you are listening to us live right now, uh, just give it about a half hour to process, and then you can go back and listen to the remainder uh, on Fuck Talk Archives. There you go. So. Uh, I want to kind of uh, circle back now about that match. When you uh, when the match was over, and they they did beat the living heck on you. I I remember that because I was I was so upset uh, about that that they were hurting you. They were hurting my friend, uh, the gal I looked up to. But uh, when you guys when you went back uh, to the back after the the match, did you uh, did you have words with them? Did you say? What what gives or what, why or what what was what was the backstage uh, like after the match? Well, it was pretty much like it was after every match. Uh, Wendy and Mula had their dressing room, and Velvet and I had ours. And I sat in the dressing room and licked my wounds. Uh, but as far as having words with somebody that I wrestled. Uh, not only just Moolah and Wendy, but anybody that I wrestled, no. I, I've never had words about the match because that's my job. You know, and it was their job. Their job was to win by any means necessary, and my job was to win. And they were just doing their job, in my personal opinion. Uh, well, I, I, well, you know, and I, I, I appreciate you saying that, but to me as a kid, I just thought maybe they were – you know, I, I I know a little more about the business I do I did back then, but uh, you know I watched that match last last week. I'm like going, 
geez, they were like really taking liberties, I thought. Well, yeah, and that that's the way Mula and Lee wrestled. You know, that, that was that was their thing. Um and not not to bust bust anybody's bubble or anything like that. When I was in Japan, I pretty much wrestled the same Mula and Lee. So, uh now uh but before uh before we got cut off here, I was uh kind of asking you about, uh, you, you, we were talking about uh, your ring attire, and uh, you always wore, if I recall, you always wore uh, like a yellow, I don't know, if it was like a dress or a skirt or whatever it was. Now, uh, now, was that, someone designed that for you, or did you design that yourself? No, I designed that myself, and it was made for me by a gentleman in Japan, um, going with the boots that matched that outfit, and it was a vest and a uh, breakaway uh, uh uh, skirt, and uh, yeah, that was, that was totally my own design. And I did the big yellow thing before Hogan did. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know, uh, now I I hope you don't take this the question the wrong way, but uh, maybe you could kind of smart me up a little bit too. But uh, I always thought that you you know you kind of had like. Uh, uh, like an Indian heritage, is that uh, is that wrong or is that more correct? Did we lose her again? Is anybody there? Yeah, no it, like we, no, it sounds like we. No, it sounds like we did. It sounds like she got. Like she got booted again. So oh, again, I, I yeah, I don't know if it's a reception service thing or what it is, but all right. Well, uh, I, I she won't be able to call back in now. Uh, because no, because it's off air technically. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, for our fans that are listening, uh, we got the, we got a great show next week. Uh, we're gonna have, uh, uh, like I said, uh, we're gonna have uh, Casey Carlisle. Uh, we're supposed to have uh, Casey Carlisle. Uh, she is confirmed. Uh, we're supposed to have Beverly Shea. She is not confirmed. And our original guest, uh, and I can't say who it was. Uh, I don't want to get this individual in trouble. Uh, but. Uh, uh, they did say that they were going to find a, uh, get us a replacement. Uh, so hopefully uh, that will happen. Uh, and I'll let you guys know who that is closer to next week. So anyway, uh, they, uh, so she won't. Uh, she probably won't be able to call back in. Uh, so I guess uh, we we could try, but. It, it, what, because it's past the time. No, it's, no it, it's after it's after hours, so it, it's technically off air. So no, it won't let her call in. Okay. Well, then what we'll do here is uh, we'll tell our fans uh, to tune in next week, and uh, we uh, we love all our fans. Uh, we love you tuning into this entertainment mecca, and I mm. also want to let people know uh, who's coming on the horizon in the next couple weeks. Uh, is uh, we're, we're gonna have uh, Baron Von Raschke on with us. Think about that, Baron Von Raschke. Uh, 
the claw him the master of the claw himself. And uh did you guys get uh that uh that card I sent you on who uh who else we got covered on? Um, I think so. Yeah, I, I I gotta go back and check, but I think so. Uh does the does the T V show American Choppers ring any bells? Yeah. Yeah, it does. We're gonna have a star from that one of the stars from that show on our uh on is, our, is it the guy with the awesome mustache? No. Ah, uh, okay. He has an awesome mustache. One of the other two. Okay. Yeah, well, we might get him on though, you know. No, well, yeah, one, one might lead but, to the other. We shall see. Yeah. So uh, I guess yeah. we'll do. Uh, I guess well, I guess we'll wrap it up. Uh, but uh, uh, everybody, tune in uh, next week. We got another big show, and uh, there's more uh, big guests coming on the horizon. And uh, don't miss it because we are not going anywhere. No, we're not, and and you know, um, the the one thing I did want to point out here too is that uh, yeah, we are you know one of the if not the top you know wrestling podcasts on the internet, and uh, you want to check us out on here? You can check us out on here. I'm slowly but surely uploading everything to Anchor FM, and uh, I'm trying to get us uh, on some college radio stations around here as well. So uh, make sure every Monday. Same time, same place. Uh, it is 2020, and um, we will see you next week. Have a happy Valentine's Day. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Dead man walking. You've done it now.